This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. All right, good. Hello, everyone. It's, um, it's my wife's birthday today. Shameless plug. It's, uh, <laughs> she's an introvert. <laughs> so my gift to you today, babe, is uh, you'll feel what I feel like most of the time as an extrovert. <laughs> But bless you. I love you, my babe. You're amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for our wives. We can't, do, um, we can't do life without the wonderful family and people that God has put within our lives. Um, those, even if you're divorced and single, you can't do life without friends and family. You can't do life without church. You can't do life without this incredible walking together. We need Jesus, but we need other people. Some of us, we've heard a lot about spending time with Jesus, but you can't just spend time with Jesus. Is that cool? You need to spend time with Jesus and let Jesus work, work through you for the sake of other people. Because he's, he's burning for you, but as much as he's burning for you, he's burning for other people the same amount. And uh, let's, um, let's talk about burning. My, my message to you this morning, afternoon, where are we, morning, um, is building a fireproof church. I've got this, um, this thing here. I think there's a seal on it. Should I take it off? Huh? Are we allowed to? Where the, all the fire hose in here are like, no, 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 don't do that. This is a water one. This is a problem. Because you get powder ones and you get gas ones that actually suck the air out of the, out of the fire so that it goes down. This is a water one. So if we're going to do anything with that, someone's going to get baptized. <laughs> so maybe me as the thing explodes in my face or something. All right. So <laughs> let's turn in our Bibles to, I just want to put that there as an as a image. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 5 to 17. There's two kind of fires. There's a, there's a fire of judgment which actually produces reward, but that same fire can cause great loss. And there's a fire that's going to come. The Bible says this, that Jesus says everybody will be salted with fire. And so the fire you want is the fire that we can get now that Aubrey was talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and having a fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's going to produce good stuff. That's going to purify the good stuff. That's going to get rid of the stuff that we don't want. There's a fire coming, however, that's a fire of judgment. And there's a fire that God will bring, the fire of His wrath, that is ultimately going to destroy everything that is not part of His kingdom. And so for us as church leaders and for us as the church, and for us that, that want to encourage our leaders and support our leaders and back our leaders, you know, I mean, the, I loved having a leader that I could support because the Bible says that when I supported him well, it was of great advantage to me. And not that I'm trying to be selfish or just get things my own way, but the reality is when we kick against leadership, it's of no advantage to us. And who wants to walk in an advantageous experience of the kingdom of God? And this beautiful place of submitting yourself to others is an incredible thing. It sows seeds. As you submit to others, you're sowing seeds for when you need to, to lead others. And as we've heard, Aubrey said to us, the key is leadership. Leadership is vital. God wants to use people to reach people. He wants leaders to step out. But those leaders need to be the leaders that have sown in following so that they can reap in leadership. And the way you sow yourself as a follower is going to reap that kind of follower in your life. I mean, I, I, I've had a few people kick against my leadership, which I can understand now, because I used to kick against my leader. 
But I've had some people give themselves in the most incredible ways to my leadership. That sometimes, Sharice and I just think, I can't believe that these people would sacrifice so much, would surrender so much, would serve so much, would lay down their lives so much for the call of God for the church, but on our lives for them. And that's as a result of having sown and laid down our lives in the leaders of those that have gone before. There's no other way. The first apostles laid down their lives, sometimes by choice, sometimes by not, for Jesus. He laid in his life for the world. And all leaders since then, to this very day, have had that opportunity to lay down their lives for others, to sow and then to reap. And this will continue. The kind of leaders we are now will determine the kind of followers and the kind of leaders in the future. So your role as a, as a believer, as a follower, and ultimately as a leader is so important. You're sowing all the time. If you're kicking against it all the time, that's what you get later. But if you give yourself wholly and fully and, and willingly and surrendered, that's the kind of followers you'll expect and see. See time and harvest. What you sow, you reap. And God is not mocked. He makes sure that thing takes place. And so I want to encourage you, and you're, you're the kind of leaders that are here on a Saturday in the cold in Clarksdorf, from all over the West Strand and from Natal and from everywhere, coming together to learn. I tell you, it's an incredible thing. I know that there's going to be good seeds sown in your life and through your life because of your willingness to learn and submit to the things of God. Keep it up. But, <laughs> I've spoken about a lot of things in one sentence there. There's a fire that's going to test our work. And let's look at this in this incredible passage. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 to 17. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? I mean, it's not about the particular person. It's not about um, calling someone an apostle so-and-so or prophet so-and-so. In nowhere in the Bible have we ever heard of somebody being called prophet so-and-so. It's always Paul, an apostle, who raises others apostolically. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so-and-so, a prophet, who raises others prophetically. When we start having this thing of, ooh, this person is the prophet or the apostle, we start getting into error. And those are seeds that we don't want sown. The kind of seeds that we want sown, th those kind of seeds are going to get burnt with fire. And we don't want that. We want those that are doing what Jesus wanted. And so it says this, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. How many of you know... <laughs> You can have a role given you, to you today, and tomorrow God can take that role away. And then some people still hold on to their titles. It's not about a title. It's about a function. It's about a role. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, <clears throat> but only God, excuse me, <clears throat> but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me. Listen, now Paul speaking. I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become 
obvious. For the day will disclose it. <laughs> the day. You know, there's the day. The day is coming. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. This is awesome. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about a reward for the work you've done, having been saved. You're doing a work. We cannot work for our salvation. Salvation is a gift. Once you've received the gift of salvation, there's something of that gift inside of you. I'm saved, and he's done a work in me. Now I want to work that salvation out and do something with that salvation in the lives of other people. And so it says in verse 15, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved. Isn't that amazing? But only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and that is what you are. Wow. This is quite sobering. In one sense, there's a motivation to build well. And that when you've built, there is a day coming where God sees what you've built and He's going to reward you for it. So He says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And you can hear those words already, keep going. What you've been doing well, keep doing well. But it's also good to know that there's so many things we see in the church that just are not Jesus. And those things will get burnt up and those things will be removed. And in a sense, we're not trying to be judgmental because the, the Bible says this, the wheat and the weeds they grow up together. But on the last day, the angels will come and determine which is wheat and which is weeds. We have just, just to be faithful, keep going, and doing what God has called us to do, bringing His kingdom, bringing this gospel, bringing the Holy Spirit and His wonderful presence into people's lives, bringing the love and the purposes of God into people's lives as we continue. So, it's important. I say again, this is not about salvation. It's about the work you do when you're saved. Imagine coming to that last day, having spent your life and your work and your efforts as a saved believer, and you realize that no one else is saved as a result of your life. That's great loss. But imagine being there on that day and you realize that all the work that you've done, whether you led worship, whether you prayed, whether you ministered in your business place, whether you handled your finances according to the principles of God, whether you raised your children and you got them into the schools and you made them faithful and you helped them do the things of discipline well, etc., etc., and every area of your life, on that day, Jesus shows you and he says to you, have a look at this, my boy. Have a look at all the people of faith that are standing to the left and to the right, from South Africa to Colombia, from Clarksdorp to, to Peter Maritzburg, wherever it is, from Zimbabwe to the ends of the earth. When you're looking to the left and the right and you realize the works I did by faith produced something in other people's lives, and there they are as a reward. And am I going to gloat in the reward? No. It's his reward. Who do they belong to? It's Jesus. He asked for an inheritance. He asked for the souls of people. And when those souls of people, when he's used us in some way to bring those people to him, the reward is to see his love for them and their love for him. And it's not so much about gold and silver. Who wants gold in heaven? Anyone? Yeah? See that hand? Sorry. <laughs> but that's the stuff they used to tar the roads. 
Who would like some tar? I mean, tar is very helpful yeah, <laughs> in some parts of our city. But you see, Jesus didn't die for gold and silver. Jesus died for people. And he's not asking you to lay down your life and work for gold and silver. He's asking you to lay down your life and work for the souls of people. And when you see those souls restored, gold, precious, tested by fire, and they're still standing, you know that what you put into them was a faith that made them endure for all eternity. That's what we want to live for. That's why we want to write the books. That's why we want to preach the messages. That's why we want to get our lives in faith so we can bring faith to others. That's why we want to stir people. Your whole life is about making sure that you believe, but then your reward is in getting others to believe. It's so vital to know Him, to partner with God. You were created and called and converted to partner with God. You are co-laborers with Him. To know Him, to make Him known, to have fellowship with Him, to walk in His light, to walk in His ways, to be a witness of His resurrection life inside of you, to be a witness of the relationship you have that we've been encouraged through the different preaching that has come over this time, to work with Him, to work for Him, to be as ambassadors, to be His representatives, to shine His likeness and His image back to a world that doesn't know it. Those things matter to Him. Those things matter in eternity. And so to this end, our partnership is to serve, to plant, to water, to be graced with gifts and use them, to lay foundations, to build, to be selective with the building materials. I don't just choose to sin and, and say, oh, please forgive me, God, I'm sure the people will forgive me. I choose not to sin because me sinning has an effect in the faith of others. And so I want to do and live and, and talk and, and walk in a way that is setting an example in those that desire faith, that long for more. They want to see that, is there someone that can believe and trust God and see miracles in their lives and see faithfulness in their lives? Is there someone who can persevere through the fires of adversity and trial? Is there someone who actually has done that? And when we do it, we become an incredible testimony and an incredible encouragement to others who are going through the same things. Don't give up. It's sobering to know that all your bad efforts will not escape. <laughs> but it's wonderful to know that all your good efforts are seen by Him, and He will reward it. But the fire tests the people. The field is the people. The building is the people. The quality of the work is the faith in the people. Because it's them that will be tested and purified and strengthened and either disappear because they didn't know Jesus or stand strong because they loved him because of the work you put into them. It's vital that we understand this. So God's calling us to a place where we recognize there is reward. And he loves to reward. Isn't that amazing? A cup of water given to one of the least of these will by no means lose its reward. And we've got a strange idea. We think, well, this is like my um, vitality, loyalty program. <laughs> As I, I do certain things. <laughs> I get certain points and I can I get 50% uh, off my petrol. Whatever it is, the <laughs> that's not the kind of reward we're talking about. We're talking about being rewarded by what rewards Him. When He loves something, do you love it? When He hates something, do you hate it? 
and we share in that wonderful reward. I love that scripture, Romans 8, it says, the Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. See, what Jesus loves, we'll love. What rewards Him will reward us. At one point, we might read the Scriptures and look forward to a crown in heaven. But Paul says of the Philippians, he says, you are my crown. Jesus looks at us and he says, you're the jewel. You is what, you're what it was worth. All my blood, all that cross, all the endurance was for you. The joy set before him. You're the reward. And so when we have that mentality towards others, it's an incredible thing. It's people, not materials. Our faith is important. One Peter 1, verse 3 to 9, I just want to read through this wonderful passage of what faith means. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, and may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you're not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's a beautiful thing to know. This faith gives us new birth. This faith is imperishable and in an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. This faith guards us. This faith can come under fire. This faith is valuable, but this faith is refined by that fire and is stronger because of the things we go through. This faith is the goal of our salvation that brings us joy, praise, glory, honor. And li as living stones, we're being built into a house. And this house is a house of faith. May our faith go to another level. So, if we're going to have a people that we've worked in, that we've received from Jesus and poured into other people's lives, we want to fireproof the churches. We want to fireproof our lives. We, we want that day when the fire comes to result in not wood, stubble, and straw, amen, but gold, silver, and precious stone. And so I asked a fire chief friend of mine, what four things would he say are the most important when it comes to fireproofing a building? And he had this to say. The first one, fire-resistant construction materials. Choosing the fire-resistant materials for the building structural components is fundamental. Materials such as fire-resistant gypsum board, concrete, masonry, and steel can help prevent fire from spreading quickly and provide additional time for occupants to evacuate safely. <laughs> the fire-resistant construction materials for us folk is everything about Jesus. Jesus is fire-resistant at every level. When Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were in the fire and they turned the furnace up, Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he sees, I'm sure we only put a few people in there. Was it, was it three? He says, but there's a fourth one in the fire. Who is that? One like the Son of Man. You see, when we've got Jesus, we're fire resistant. When we've got Him, we're fire resistant. 
He gives us a certain fire, but that fire is not a fire of judgment. It's a fire of purification, but a fire that cancels every other fire. And so him, him alone, we want people to have faith in Jesus. Please, we can't have people having faith in money or faith in the mission or faith in moments like a Northwest Equip or faith in monuments like a building or faith in a memento or the thing that, you know, this thing is going to give me faith. These are great. But it's not about a movement, and it's not about miracles, and it's not about magic, and it's not about men. It's about the Messiah. It's about Him. And where are our people believing? And where are our people putting their faith? Are they putting their faith in the system, in the discipleship program, in all the kind of stuff that we have? Or have they put their faith in Jesus Christ, the one that can have a living relationship from day to day? That's going to fireproof our people. And all the word from Genesis to Revelation is bringing us into an understanding of who Jesus is. Who is the one that created everything? Who is the one that is better than the ark? Who is the one? Right through the scriptures. I don't have to go through all the pictures, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And so we need to move away from a faith in the law and a faith in prophetic insights and a faith into end times. But have a faith in the one that it's all about, Jesus. Jesus Christ. There's one who keeps us fireproof and him alone. Romans 3, 22, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they are justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as a mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate the righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed, but God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that we would be just and justified through the one we have faith in. His name is Jesus. It's all about him. Folk, put your faith in him. Number two, a fire suppression system. My chief, uh, fire chief said this, installing effective fire suppression systems is paramount. Automatic sprinkler systems are one of the most common and effective methods of fire suppression. These systems can detect and extinguish fires before they become uncontrollable, minimizing damage, allowing occupants more time to escape. Our fire suppression systems like fire extinguishers, fire hose reels, should be strategically placed throughout the building. <laughs> For me, the fire suppression system is not a system but a person, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit... It's not just Jesus. We don't just want to have faith in Jesus. But Jesus said, it's better that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to give you the parakletos, the comforter, the standby, the one who's with us, the one who's a friend, the one who teaches, the one who's an advocate, the one who's always there for us, the Holy Spirit. When you're walking in the Holy Spirit, when you're doing things in the Holy Spirit, you're basically already rewarded because everything that you do that is in the Spirit will never be judged. Someone once said, gee, it's so difficult to try and obey all the law. It's so difficult to try and do everything that Jesus said. It's so difficult even if we took all the red letters and just lived a life with the red letters. It's so difficult to do all those things. I mean, blessed are the poor. You know, turn the other cheek when someone slaps you. All those kind of things. It's difficult to do. But just the reality. When you walk in the Spirit, one step of obedience in the Spirit is the same as obeying every single thing that God has ever required of you. So just by living in the things of the Spirit, following the Spirit, being aware of the Spirit, let Him fill you, guide you, empower you, gift you, pour fruit through your life. Every time you do that, you're storing up reward 
that can never be tested by that fire. It's perfect already. Do what the Spirit tells you. Go where the Spirit leads you. Say what the Spirit asks of you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's fire in our lives will protect us from every other fire that can ever come our way. We need His Spirit more than anything else. At Pentecost, the Spirit came and like flames separated and rested upon every single person. And those flames and that fire within those believers saved them from a corrupt generation. That corrupt generation, this corrupt generation that we live in, is going to get tested by fire. And it's going to fail. But those that have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning within them are going to be free, safe, and a great, great, great testimony to the world that is looking for something solid. Man, we're living in a world that is shaky. But the pillar and foundation of truth is His church. And the church needs to be filled with people who are full of the Spirit. Try not to fill your church with people. <laughs> Rather, fill your people with the Spirit. That's the most important thing. When people are full of Him, it's going to fireproof every aspect of your church. Galatians is great when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, I say this, Walk by the Spirit, and you'll certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things. As I warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit in the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I wanted to share that with you because the Holy Spirit needs to awaken and ignite those wonderful things within us. Extinguish the things of the flesh and let's burn for the things of the Spirit at every single step. Number three, a fire-rated assembly, and this assembly is when you put together a, a, a facility, you're assembling it in such a way that if there was a fire, or when there's a fire, <laughs> that this fire is not able to move to the different parts of the building as easily as it could if it was just simply one space. And so a fire-rated assembly is employing fire-rated assemblies in building design is critical. There are structures and barriers specifically designed to resist fire and to contain its spread. Fire-rated walls, doors, floors, ceilings can compartmentalize the building, slowing down a fire's progression and reducing its impact on the entire structure. It's so interesting. For me, the way God has assembled the community, the church, its leaders, its servants, its saints... That's fireproof. And I don't know why we have to think we have to change it and chop it up and do all kinds of things and have, like Dudley used to say, Archie bishops. And we got these kind of leaders and these kind of things and these kind of structures and all this kind of stuff. If we get back to what God intended when he had this wonderful intention of community and family and covenantal relationships, to see elders, deacons, and saints built in a way where there's love for one another, strengthening one another, encouraging one another, that's going to protect us from fire. 
I've seen recently, there's an advert of someone that I know that has been ministering in a church, and at, there was this poster that went up, and the poster had these names, director and, and president and vice president of the event. I thought, wow, man, are we moving into business church? Are we moving into political church? What are we moving into when we've got to take away what God has given us that's fireproof? And try and add to it all these weird ideas from around the world. Let's get back to what God intended. And when we do that well, it's going to be an incredible fire protection for our cultures. I mean, let me just say this when it comes to community. Community comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are three in one in a community that have lived for all eternity and have worked. I don't think there's ever been an argument between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in that community, as God says, this works, let's make this, we'll make man in our own image. Male, female, and children from that wonderful union. And so the, the Trinity produces a community within the family where the husband is the head, the father is in charge of the family, the mother, the wife, is a helper to the father and husband, and the children are in a safe environment. And so as goes Trinity, so goes family. As goes Trinity and family, so goes the church. Elders, deacons, saints. Elders, men who lead in the church, who are husbands of one wife, and their families are displaying the Trinity to a world that is confused about who's in charge, who's male, who's female. Can we get back to the fireproof intentions of God? We had it this week. Somebody asked us online. And it's, it's uh, divisive to ask someone in a public space, does your church believe in women in all forms of leadership? And I felt like replying, we believe in women in all forms of leadership that God has designed for them to lead in. Because women can never be fathers, husbands, sons, brothers, elders. <laughs> if we get back to what God intended, we're going to have fireproof. But if we start messing with this, we have women do this, men do this, children do this, men become women, women become men, mess with the roles and responsibilities, it's never going to sustain or <laughs> make it when the fire comes. We've had incredible growth at the crossing. I just want to, want to end with this. There's one more point, though. But I tell you, how many of you experienced the fire of the last three years, COVID and the restrictions that were placed upon the globe? I mean, in a sense, it was a fire because it tested where our real loyalties were. I've seen many churches fall away. I've seen many churches still reeling and struggling three years later, still not where they were when they started. And yet, God has been faithful to those that have stuck the course and have been courageous enough to believe God and obey God, even when the world is saying, do not meet, they said, we will gather. It was quite a thing for us to be bold in our faith, to be bold in our fellowship and still come together, even though the law was saying, don't meet. I tell you, we broke the law a few times. I confess, I repent, but our church is better for it because the fellowship is there and the fellowship grew and we released elders during COVID. I tell you, people were healed because people were harassed and people needed shepherds at that time. Jesus would have wept looking at the cities during COVID. We had to be flexible. We went online, we went offline, we went back online. <laughs> but we wanted the message to go out. And the fire tested us, but we continued. We started to give to the poor. 
we realized that many people were without salaries. And as a church, we started to put aside whole chunks of all our income to the poor. And I'm telling you now, God has blessed our church as a result of that. He'll bless your church when you focus intentionally in your budget a section that goes straight to the poor. It's, it's a promise from God. We had, I felt business people were going to go through the greatest strain. And so we opened up opportunities for God to do work in the lives and hearts of business people. And that thing took off as well. 150 people at breakfasts because they needed help in their businesses at a time when COVID was not helping them. The church helped them. And we've had, I had even this year, on seven occasions, people talking to me about wanting to take their lives and attempting suicide. And we realize that the aftermath is this mental health has become such an incredible need in the life of the church at this time. And for our church to be fireproof, we've got to be teaching them on the things that keep their souls together and brings wholeness to them. And so the last one, fire alarms and detection systems. My friend said to me, early detection of fire is crucial for rapid response, evacuation, installing smoke detectors, heat detectors, fire alarm systems throughout the building can alert occupants and emergency responders promptly, allowing for swift action and control the fire and ensure that everyone comes to safety Ladies and gentlemen, there's a fire coming. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.